Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Matt here from the Watford Buzz podcast. Just a quick opener to say, unfortunately, we potted yesterday evening, missing out all of the juicy information that took place today, like the transfer ban, the official signing of Jake Livermore, and the potential official signing of Georgi Chakvadersky, the Georgian attacking midfielder that we've been linked to. Um, nothing about a court case that we've won, or 2.3 million compensation that we've been awarded, or the Blackburn game that's now been moved for Sky Sports viewing on the Sunday. Hopefully, though, you'll still enjoy the pod, which still has lots of good stuff, but just none of that. Right, roll the credits. Well, a beautiful afternoon for a good game of football now, and it looks as though we have the makings of it. Barnes has come in. Oh, a fine goal by John Barnes. That's a beauty. Hello and welcome back to the Watford Buzz podcast. Matt Messiano here, along with Jordan Weimer and Tom Burrell, and we're all here. This evening, chatting about, well, it it was penned in as another transfer chat, but uh, it hasn't really panned out that way, has it, guys? It has not. It has been very quiet, and I suspect we will get into that in quite a bit of detail, uh, much to the frustration of a lot of Watford fans on Twitter. Yeah. Jordan, are you you worried, or or do you think that um, if the season was to start tomorrow, that we would be in in an okay position to, to go ahead with what we have? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I think somewhere in between. I think we'll probably get into it a little bit in kind of more detail as we get through some of these questions. But um, like I think we were in a situation where we had to we had to accept a little bit of a clear out. Um, obviously, we'd like things to come a little bit quicker, but you know we're in a little bit of a different situation to what we have been in, in previous years. So I think you have to kind of reset and recalibrate your perhaps expectations a little. Um, not to say we couldn't have done things a little bit better or so, but it's quite a complex situation. So I think there's more to get into for us as we go through this episode. Okay, now we'd usually chat a little bit first and then go to the questions afterwards, but we're going to flip it around this time because we often go through the the questions at the end and realise that we've already covered a lot of that. So it doesn't feel like we give everyone a, a fully comprehensive answer. So instead, we're going to go to the questions first and then we'll talk about any other business afterwards. Is that all right with you guys? Sounds perfect. Let's start off with Vic Bate. Uh, he says, understand the cost cutting, but how do you keep the few potential stars, for example, Loser and Esprit, happy when they look at the lack of investment? Would assume they've signed to play for a Premier League or promotion-challenging championship team. 
when they look around the current squad, maybe they're not quite seeing that, Tom. That's a tough one to answer straight off the bat because I think you'd, you, there's two, there's moving parts here, isn't there, of what are they thinking, what were they promised, and what have they been promised since then? I th- yes, I think to kind of answer the last bit first, one would assume that they were kind of sold the dream of signing for a Premier League or promotion challenging championship team to the point that they would then get a move to a bigger club than Watford. Um, they do exist. But it would be very interesting to know what the kind of current messaging is from the owner or the sporting director or whoever that comes from who has that day-to-day relationship with the players regarding kind of ambitions for the season ahead because footballers aren't stupid and I imagine they know roughly where they should be pitching at this squad in the season ahead without much improvement or further investment or whatever so I think the easy answer is that you would be worried that they are not going to be particularly happy and they're not going to be particularly impressed by the lack of business and if the season doesn't start the way we would hope you'll start to hear murmurings about them wanting to leave the easy solution on paper is to sign players, but I suspect um, there's been a little bit of maybe keeping them in the I'm trying to think in the dark a little bit, like they have us supporters that you know all signings are coming, signings are coming, and we'll just kind of hope it works out because at the moment we're seeing absolutely no evidence of it. That's a very rambling answer, but. <laughs> no, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, Jordan, on the back of that, I mean, surely, you know, a lot of this is down to chance, isn't it? I mean, you're a player and you, you have to take a chance as to whether the club you're about to sign for is going to do well and it could go very well for you and it could also not go well for you. I mean, sometimes you just have to, you know, take the rough yeah. of the smooth, don't you? Yeah, and I think, you know, I mean, not obviously Espria, but Luz was in, in the team that got relegated, so he has his own his own part in it. He's signed a new contract as well in, in the time he's been here. So, you know, he should be fully aware of the risk involved. Uh, Espria, you know, the, it's not really so much of a problem for Espria as well because, you know, ultimately I'm sure his aspiration is to, to continue climbing up the, the football ladder and, and play for a team in the top division, uh, maybe not necessarily in England, but at least play at a, a higher level. So... I think Watford have at least shown that they can be that that stepping stone for players of quality. You know, still something to prove for for both of them, of course. But um, there are opportunities there, so it's not like they're tied here forever. You know, if they've got deals that are quite favourable to them, I'm sure Loser's probably one of the higher paid players that we have now. Um, and, and also, I think something we have to think about as well is that I I, I think quality of teammates. Look, I still think we'll get players in, so we might be able to improve that. Perhaps there's been conversations with the squad, you know, that they're aware of the fact we're still looking for 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 additions to the team. Maybe, maybe not. But ultimately, there's also the element of you know how good is the coach? How confident do you feel in the coach? Are we now in a situation to to, to potentially play beyond the sum of our parts? You know, more so than we have been in previous years. Um, last couple of years that, that loser's been here you know that's that's a potential argument if training is going well if if they if they feel that there's the opportunity to improve as a team despite the the fact that some quality is left you know maybe that's playing a part it's really hard to say but you know ultimately if they're under contract and 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 they're our player then they kind of just have to get on with it a little bit yeah no i i, I agree with that um, uh, um it's not just those two either that that could be 
asking themselves this question. Um, you know, I think probably Ismail Assar has been asking himself this question for, for a few seasons now, to be honest. Yeah. Well, he seems one that's destined to be to be moved regardless, you know, so that's that's a different one. But yeah, no, I know what you're saying. This, these things happen if it's, you know, these things happen in football, especially when relegation comes into play. It's just, it's just part of the process and, you know, that you get some players that the timing can be unfortunate. You wish you had them at different times and so on. But I think the most important thing is they, we need both of those guys available to, to help us this season. So um, they're going to have a big part to play no matter what, really. Mm. And on the point of Saul, we will get back to him later, but uh all things might not be as as, as clear sailing as uh, as it seems there. Um, let's get on to the next question then. Thanks for that one, Vic. Uh, this one is from Watford underscore Douglas. At what point do you get concerned at the lack of signings? The season is about to start. And as it stands, we have no natural central uh, defensive midfielder fit to play uh, or a left back, uh, excluding Morris, uh, as he can't be relied on to, to start. Uh, who wants to take that one first? Uh, yeah, sure. I think, you know, in terms of, I think that, the, I mean, you want them by the start of the season. Obviously, I think there's been some some comments regarding the fact that this pre-season has been somewhat wasted and, you know, it's been a pointless pre-season to not have these players in here before the season starts and allow them to train with the new head coach. We're trying to shift our mentality bring a new style of football into the club and, and hopefully build on that for a, for a longer period of time. You know, you're, you're wasting, you're wasting opportunities to, to get that team ready. But, you, you know, as long as we have them by the close of the window, we've got a chance to be useful. Obviously it gives us the players. First game is another kind of checkpoint you'd like to have them by at minimum. But this is the difficulty of being in the financial situation we're in. We have to we have to be pragmatic in the market, and sometimes you have to kind of make those sacrifices to ultimately get the players in. It's a shame. It's frustrating. Of course, we'd rather be in a position where we're signing them as soon as the window opens. But you know, we can't. We, well, whether we can't or we're not willing to to overspend or kind of have that risk reward of going for those players early. It's just the situation we find ourselves in. So it's concerning, yes, but I mean, ultimately the most important thing is we get the players. But I, I think most people will feel that as long as they're there by the first game, we can be somewhat, rela- not relaxed about it, we can feel much better about it. When we start talking about the end of the window, you know, these first, the first, is it, how many games is in the first um, part of the window? Sorry, how many games are there once the season starts before the window closes? Is it four? So I think we've got at least three of them at home, haven't we? Yeah, we've got, we got some good home, we've got a good number of home games that QPR changed. So, you know, the, the season's so competitive this year and we'll probably talk about targets for the team, but regardless, you, this is an opportunity to start quite well and start strong. It's gonna be, it should be a very competitive championship this season and to not give yourself that edge of having the new players in. It's not just a case of, you know, strengthening and giving us depth in some areas. There are some some positions that, that were outlined there in terms of left back and, and defence in the field. These are players that, uh, or number six, whatever, these are players that you expect will be brought in to start, you know? So you, you'd want them from the off, ideally. So I do I do sympathise with the um with, with the thought process of these these players being too late, um but it's not as simple as it's not as simple as the only just doesn't want to get them in and we can't be bothered sort of thing. It's it's a little bit more complex than that. I think there's a very binary view, isn't there, that because we can't see anyone arriving, the club therefore aren't trying to sign anyone, and that 
it's just not true whether unintentionally or intentionally being ignorant it's just not true they are working on signings they're always working on business year round whether it's at the point of discussing contracts with players that they've had an interest in whether it's agreeing fees whether it's conducting medicals whatever it is they're always at the process they're always in the process at some point and at points it's just going to be scouting players working out what they need to do uh, in the window ahead etc etc but they're always going to be you know you're not doing your work your job your due diligence as a football club if you are not always looking at who's coming who's going etc who's coming onto the market who are you trying to shift on etc etc because it's a constant living breathing thing i'm sure they are at this point in time because the window is open making offers having discussions etc but it isn't like football manager where you just click bang submit an offer here back within a couple of days submit a contract offer here back within a couple of days whole things done in a week it's not you know it's real life it takes time and there are also other factors to take into account recently there was international football they've got the uh the kind of um period of pre-season now where games are being played clubs are away etc etc it's you know it's not it's not just a case of snapping your fingers and a a raft of new signings appear and yeah echo everything jordan you said we'd like to have them done sooner the better you know a big deal was made out of the fact that valerian ishmael was gonna run them hard in pre-season and having a seven-week prison training camp in this country rather than a, a um, luxurious not going to an actual prison um, a, a luxurious kind of foreign retreat which is the norm don't really think it matters either way as long as you do the right work but whatever um, and I think that's probably why people have latched onto it but also we saw it last season didn't we with the Rob Edwards situation that he made it clear what he wanted it was evidence all what we needed and it didn't happen and it ended up costing him his job. So we need to get a bit of a wiggle on, if only for the optics of it. But I appreciate it's not entirely in the club's gift to do that. Tom, there's the potential that the central defensive midfield position could be taken up by Jake Livermore. It hasn't been announced by Watford, but it's kind of common knowledge that he's training with the side. Um, mm. I mean, could he be the, the person to... You know, to 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 come in there and then that you know alleviates you know one of those positions that that we feel is quite crucial that is missing in the minute. I don't know if he's the answer. It's quite, uh, you know, I feel like it's going to be quite a demanding role. I'm not sure a 33 year old is you know like a 33 year old can be fit as a butcher's dog. Look at James Milner, but he's 30, 37. Yeah, exactly. But. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he is the answer alone. If he comes in, I've got no issue with him coming in. I've got no axe to grind. He's had a perfectly respectable career, but I would like to see someone younger and a bit more dynamic for that. Dynamic on the ball that is coming in as well. I think you know you want horses for courses, don't you? Sometimes you want someone who's just going to sit in there and just break everything up and destroy. Sometimes you need. Someone who's got a bit more guile and and will create things from a from a deeper position, and I'm not sure that is Jake Livermore, to be honest with you. So, 
Yeah, it's, but it has all gone very quiet, which is probably not a surprise given the kind of communication that comes out of the club at the moment. Or lack thereof, I should say. Jordan, what do you think? Do you reckon Jake Livermore could be the, the person to, to, to take that central defensive midfielder role? I mean, I don't think it's smart to to put such an emphasis on or put so much kind of importance on a player who you know is. I know thirty three is relevant and so all relative and so on, but you know he doesn't. He he wasn't particularly good last season. Um, there's a reason why West Brom let him go. It's quite an important role for what we're trying to do. So I'd like it to be a little bit more specialized in terms of personnel in that position, but. You know, I, I think as an option, fine, if you want to bring him in for maybe some intangible qualities he brings, um, some cover, some depth. Obviously, we know it's quite a high-intensity style of football. You're going to have to have rotation. You're going to have to have depth in certain areas. So in that respect, yeah, if he was the plan A, I, I would definitely have some concerns. I think that's, you know, there is a there is the fact that we have to just bring in numbers, quite a few, ideally, uh, and he's one that would obviously be quite favourable in terms of a, a signing on fee and and his wages. But yeah, it, it really depends on the context of how he signed and, and what comes with him. But on the surface of things, I'm very mixed on, on Livermore. I'm not a, a huge, huge fan, put it that way. But, you know, we've also seen that we, we were quite stretched there in pre-season. We've not had great options in, in Serie and and Ford, Shaq Ford playing there. So clearly it's a position we have to we have to address in one way or another. I suppose both of your points there that are, are quite um, hesitant around Livermore kind of plays into the reasons why perhaps the club haven't offered him that deal yet and they're they're still having a look at him. It it does seem a little bit worrying that they're they're considering going down that line without any other options at the minute, but uh, I suppose that they have been trialling, uh, is it Shaq Ford in that position? Yeah, yeah. Shaq Ford's been playing. I mean, they have to be looking at their options. I think, you know, as I said, it, it might not just be Jake Livermore. They supposedly want five players, then, you know, two of them could easily be midfielders that have some versatility. So perhaps you're looking at Livermore plus one other in there. I think if it's just Livermore, then we are. We're taking a big risk, in my opinion. And with regards to the left-back position, when we were speaking last time, we felt quite confident that Callum Styles was going to be the next person announced and through the door, but that uh, that stalled and now seems unlikely. Yeah, I, I think he's more suited to the wing back position though. He's he is more of a forward. Well, he only plays in midfield as well. I'm not sure he quite would fit that that number six or that deeper position. Um, we that from what we've seen the preseason, there's quite a lot of responsibility for that player to get back in the box and almost join in between those two centre-backs and create somewhat of a back three. I think Styles is not necessarily that player. You might have him a little bit further up, um, playing as an eight potentially or, or, or in that left wing-back position. But if we are going with a back four and you're looking for more of an out-and-out left-back, then maybe maybe you, you don't want to spend two million on Styles. If you're going to spend two million for Watford this year, we haven't, we ha- we're not going to be using a big budget. We're not going to be playing around with a lot of money. Although it's a good deal for Styles, if it's not a player that you need... You know, perhaps you rethink things. Maybe that was something that came about when Ismail looked at the squad and decided, you know, this is how I want to operate. Um, maybe Styles was, was someone that was in mind at first, but they perhaps changed their targets a little bit. I'm not sure. Maybe we did get priced out. Maybe they did like him. It doesn't work. But 
it is still a position that definitely definitely needs addressing. It's quite an important one, and as you say, two really key positions that we need to have addressed by the start of the season, ideally. Because I don't think anyone wants to go into to game one with with, with Syria to play in there and and Morris at left back. Okay. Another question, this one from Brad has one, uh, and he's got a, a potential answer for you. He thinks he might know uh, what what's going on here because he's also thought that there's been a lack of signings this season, but he thinks that there's a correlation between that and a lack of uh, what for Buzz Pod end of season drinks that, that also hasn't taken place. Equally disappointing, I'd say. <laughs> definitely equally disappointing um but we'll be uh, we'll be making sure that those take place as soon as all three of us are in the in the country is that is that fair first first thing on the agenda yeah yeah as quickly as humanly possible because we, 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 we all know they only want to come for you jordan so that's the uh that's the reason why we've postponed <laughs> i don't think that's accurate but i'll be pleased to be there nonetheless okay he does actually ask a serious question as well he says um What's the view on the new rules on substitutions and implications for style of play and squad size? Uh, sounds like a question I should have prepared for, Jordan. I, I think I, I think it's I think it's really important for coaches like Ismail that require um, require that high energy, high tempo football, and especially off the ball. You know, there's there's always the concern of fatigue and injury concerns and so on when it comes to playing that way and teams can start to flag a lot and having a you know a variety of options off the bench just gives you more tools and i think it's a plus you know you can make you can kind of bridge that gap of quality in this sort of system with uh, intensity and effort and application from the players so if you have the option to you know to bring these guys on and have a different a different spread of players on the bench to support that starting eleven. I think it's only a plus for us. Now, obviously, you could also argue that it kind of accentuates how thin we are. By what would that bench look like? You know, week one as we are now, that bench would be looking pretty raw. Um, but it should be a plus for us. It should be something we can we can utilize to our advantage. Obviously, other teams can do the same. But I do think it favors a team that that do play that kind of high pressing, high turnover, large output style of football. For those of us that don't know what the new rule change is, could you briefly let us know what 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 the uh, what the clarification is, Jordan? Well, let me just clarify to be sure. I think it's the changing it to nine subs, isn't it? But hold on. Yeah, nine subs up from seven, and you can use five over the course of the yeah. game. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. I'm pretty sure you still only have three slots to use your five subs within plus half time, though. So you can't make five individual subs for example you'd have to do them in three breaks in the play and then a fourth is half time okay so it certainly could change things up and uh you know allow more players to get onto the pitch and and, and crucial times in the game it just gives you more options this gives you versatility uh not just in the approach but um sorry not just in like from a tactical sense just from you know a purely physical standpoint especially for us it's, it's even more important Cool. So in general, we're in, in favour of this then? I think we're in favour, yeah. As long as we have the options to utilise it, I think, yeah, why, why not? It's a good it's a good move and it just gives you more opportunities too. You know, you've got players that you, we've often said, haven't got a chance, but now they've at least got a chance to get on the bench and then, you know, situations arise where their their skill set might be required a little more than, than others, which is only a good thing for the players that aren't starting, especially. Mm. Although at the minute with the squad size we have and the ever-decreasing squad size, maybe we won't get the chance to, to utilise it to its full effect. Well, we'll see. It'll be looking pretty bleak if we do it today. That's that's for sure. <laughs> okay, uh, next. 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This one from Chris underscore WFC. Looking at the current score, we only have seven outfield players over 25 and only two outfield players over 30. Do we need more experience in this side? Tom, you'll start with that one. Yeah. It's a it's an interesting one because, you know, we've all kind of bemoaned the fact that in recent years there's been a very stale look to certain parts of the squad, Cathcart, Cleverly, Gosling, you know, you don't get much more experience than those guys, Cavasali as well, and, you know, I'm not blaming them, but even with their presence in the squad, we have looked rudderless, leaderless, spineless, pick your adjective. So two of those have obviously gone, we don't know what's happening with Gosling. I think there's always that nice blend, isn't there, between experience and youth. I think, you know, you look at the good sides we've had in history and one I'll hark straight back to is the Boothroyd side that got promoted. You had, you know, the young bucks who were kind of fearless like Jada Merritt, Ben Foster, Ashley Young, Hammer Boatza. She wasn't part of that promotion team, but, you know, anyway, youngsters. And then you had the old boys like Mackay. Gavin Marn, Marlon King, Carl Carlisle, who had been around the block and knew what it took. And I don't think there's any kind of, well, I know there isn't a formula. There isn't some kind of sacred golden paper buried deep in the EFL headquarters that says you must have 750 EFL appearances, uh, you know, in your team to have the chance of winning promotion and so on and so forth. It's, it doesn't work like that. It's not bloody Valerian Ishmael and the Raiders of the Lost Ark or something. But it there is there is a kind of balance to be found there, and 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 Watford, like everybody, need to find it. We've let a lot of players go. I think 
you know, if you could get another one or two kind of grizzled championship pros, that would be that would be sufficient. Equally, leaders come in kind of less obvious um, forms. You know, you look at that squad, and obviously it's thin and and uh, and, and Chris underscore WFC there has kind of broken down the stats age or broken down the demographics age wise. But you know, looking at that um, that current team, I would say there are less obvious leaders there people like Porteous has been someone like Porteous sorry has been penciled as a, a leader by a lot of Watford fans I don't think um Sierra Alta uh, would kind of be an obvious one but I, I can imagine him being someone who doesn't take too much rubbish um Ken Semmer the same loser the same Hoyt the same you know players that have got international experience, have played for big clubs and so on. You know, these things all, all count. And if they command the respect of that around them, then it doesn't matter if they're 21 or 31. So there's something in it. I just don't know if it's the kind of big deal that it can sometimes be made out to be at the same time. Yeah, I think it's definitely, it's definitely blown out of proportion at times. But I think on the positive side, you know, we've, we've really shifted the age group of this, of this squad significantly. This is probably the youngest squad, squad we've had in a while, I imagine. Um, on average, you, you compare this to the last time. I mean, just look across our last few championship seasons. The average age, you know, last time we got relegated, and then last season, it's it, it is a significant difference. And you're talking about rebuilding, which you know we we've begged for for years, and I'd say we're probably the closest to that that we have been for a while. Uh, you know, a large aspect of that is is moving on from players that aren't going to be offering you something going forward, and I think. You have to you have to find a way to part ways with some of these guys, and that's what we've done. I, I don't think it's a bad thing to have youth. Uh, we're also trying to get rid of a, you know, the words toxic has been used in terms of a, of a culture and mindset at the club, and a, a big way to do that is to bring through you know younger, fresher guys who who have motivation to to get in the team and, and push them forward a little bit, and maybe don't kind of take in some of that negativity and some of the, the, the trauma that some of those players that have been carrying since the relegations that we faced over the last couple of years. So uh, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a positive to bring that age down and, and hopefully we can keep it around there, even with the additions. You know, experience is fine. We can we can bring it in where needed. I'm not saying we have to just sign young players. There's always a, there's always a, a you know, a benefit to, to bringing in a certain number of veterans experiences may be a little bit overplayed but you know just ability and 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 so on is 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 valuable no matter what the age so yeah i i don't think it's the negative perhaps i'm quite pleased with it nice one next one from cranky from Littleport. with the club's lack of communication do you believe we have actually signed any further players or have players already lined up without releasing any information officially Perhaps talking about the possibility of Livermore there in that question. Yeah, I think that kind of speaks to that point earlier that I was making about, you know, they're always doing something, whatever stage we're at, they're always doing something. They're never, well, a, a club that is run well is never sitting there just twiddling its thumbs, patting itself on the back, think, say, everything's so great here, can't possibly improve. I suspect they have got maybe, oh, sorry, I don't suspect. It would never surprise me if they had one done and they were just waiting for the right moment to announce it, whatever that may be, or we're close on a couple. We just don't know. And actually, although I've bemoaned the fact that in the past we kind of know about transfers way in advance of them happening, it takes out any kind of excitement. I still think that is true. 
but Jordan, you've said, I think, on the show and on Twitter more than once that the club just isn't as leaky as it used to be. So it would kind of lend credence to that school of thought, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think that's the, the you know that is the case. It is, it is very rare for quite a long time that deals would would be announced without there being prior knowledge. You know, in in a general sense, you, you could look on Twitter and most deals were were known about. Um, but even long in advance, there'd, there'd always be things coming out, and you'd hear about things being in the works. Some things didn't happen, some did, but you knew there was an element of legitimacy legitimacy to it. But now. You know, now we're getting things that are happening much quicker, even in regards to outgoings. I think Hungbo was kind of a, a surprise that kind of came out of nowhere. Not necessarily a shock that he's going, but just the, the deal kind of materialised quite quickly and, and it was done. Um, so, yeah, there, there's all, there is that possibility. And it doesn't... I mean, you could maybe cling on to that a little bit if we're talking about the, the fear of, of not signing anyone. I think if we'd have been in this situation last summer where... There aren't. There are very few names being thrown around. There's very few kind of concrete links. You'd be really concerned because we usually had that foreknowledge. But this year it has. It is different. I think Manga. Since Manga's been there, um, one of the, the the quickest things that kind of came into effect is that leaks and so on started to be a lot fewer and, and, and further between each other than they, they were previously. So it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if a player was announced at some point over the next couple of weeks that we we really didn't have too much foresight on. Um, so yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's definitely a different experience as a as a fan that has been for a couple of years, a good few years now. Okay, final one from the question section at Steed Ro says hi all. What happens to our rebuild if we can't shift Ismailia Sar? And how likely is it that Manga will stick around when we don't seem to be in a position to close any leads? And uh, it's got one final question, which we'll, we'll get to in a moment. But uh, he asks, where does Espria fit into an Ishmael team? So uh, we'll start with the one regarding Saar. It's quite an important one, actually, because I think the club probably based a lot of their transfer business off of the back of getting something for Saar this season. It, it, I mean, the, we can only imagine that because nothing's happened yet, it's proving difficult to... to sell Sarah at the price that they're hoping to do so? I'm going to play devil's advocate and say, do we do we think that the club are basing their ability to do go through a rebuild on selling Sar? Because if they are, I think that's fairly stupid because there aren't going to be people snapping our hand off for him. And not at a particularly high price. In six months' time, he will be available for free. And therefore, why would you fork out a big fee for someone that you could get for nothing who hasn't really impressed last season? It's not meant as a dig at him, but it wasn't like he's coming off a season where he was, you know, goal contributions galore, tearing up the opposition defences, winning games on his own. Um, you know, he had a fairly low-key season by his standards. So... I do, I do wonder if it's the given that you know it might be conceived, perceived to be. Uh, personally, what do you guys think? Well, as you said, there wasn't a ton of interest in him when we. I don't think we were opposed to selling him last summer necessarily, uh, and there wasn't a ton of interest. So I think, you know, relying on that is a risk. But at the same time, you can only do what you can do. You know, he's a player that is an asset that we are prepared to to move on from. 
and that would still set you know get a, a somewhat of a decent fee i think our rebuild in, in inverted commas could still happen i think you we still have some money to spend um but it obviously is you know some of that pressure is relieved if you do get say a 10 10 12 million deal for sar in the through the door and that gives you some flexibility perhaps you know maybe not all of it will be reinvested but you've you've at least got some potential to work with um and if you're planning the squad building if you're if you're planning a squad building kind of situation then you, you can't not look at him as a as a move that's kind of key to to giving you that freedom in the market to to maybe be a little bit more expansive in terms of the the, the kind of markets you're looking in and so on than you would be otherwise so it's just a factor that's part of this whole kind of this whole domino effect of, of transfer windows and you know the fact that that deal's going later on in the window doesn't help anything for sure ideally if we'd have sold him you know around the same time we got pedro out the door then that'd have been great but you know there's not the same demand for the two players so it's difficult uh, especially Sai, you know he's, he's in one of those situations where his value his value now is probably relative lower than what the, the the ownership would probably view him as they probably think of him as more of a 15 20 million player they're most likely to get 10 for you know that's that's yeah. the problem um and mm. how many people how many people are kind of coming for him at this stage there's other players there's lots of other players out there and he's he's had enough there's, there's a big enough sample size of sar now that if you're looking at if you're looking at him as an option you're looking at how many games he's not been showing up for as 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 much as you are the ones that he has uh so it's, it's tough it, it's a difficult one and i think we need to get it done soon ideally but as you say tom there's every chance that that we find ourselves and i know you said you've used this comparison before but in in a similar situation to the, the one we were in with kapu where no mm. one really comes in that suits us we'll think we'll kind of use him and get some something out of him for six months and then maybe in january someone will come in but we know that there's no way that Gino will feel that he wants to have a player that he signed for 30 plus million walk on a free um, after a few years of service. That is, you know, quite undoubtedly bad business and one that wouldn't sit well with him. I'd say. Does Sal fit into uh, an Ishmael team if we were to use him for the first part? Uh, I mean, you know, he, yeah, he he could, yeah, he could if if. There's the question we've had. I mean, how many times have we said does Sar fit into X's team? You know, it feels like that's the eternal question. We have, <laughs> how many managers he's had? And, you yeah. Know, again, we're in a situation where it's not quite the same. But you know, we seem to be playing um, a four, a kind of a four-three-three, potentially a three-four-three. So that wingers are still involved. You know, he's got to be a little bit more active going forwards. I think he'd, he'd probably want a little bit more directness from him at times. Uh, but it's all about Saar. You know, Saar can really fit into a lot of different teams depending on his application. Um, so it really depends on the, on, the, on the player there, on the person. But, you know, you, you find ways to get him involved if he's up for it because he's a good player. But it's 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 hard to tell. I'd be, I'd be interested to know. I mean, there's, there's, there is talk of, you know, other non-footballing reasons they want to move away from Saar as well. But it's it's unclear and it, it's not. I'm not entirely sure how accurate that is. So... Either way, you know the the way that Scott Duxbury talked about Sarah at the forum, where he said, you know, we want to keep players around that want to be here, and he he pointed out Sarah as one of those that that didn't. So um, it, it seems the club have definitely kind of made their peace with him moving on. Whether or not they can facilitate that is a different story. Yeah, they've backed themselves into a corner there with that comment, haven't they? Because if he ends up playing, I mean, we we all know that he's not playing. 
because he wants to. Yeah. He's playing because he's being told to, which isn't uh, isn't the best. Maybe maybe that was putting a bit of pressure on Sarah and the agent that comment as well. I don't I don't know, but yeah, it is. Um, it's an interesting one. It's it's not a good it's not a good position to find yourself in. Put it that way, we could have. It, it would be much. I'm sure everyone's mind would be more at ease if we had just got this done, this deal done earlier, and, and you know, a Villa or someone came in for him and put the twelve million down, and and that was that. But as we are, it, it does affect things for sure. We just couldn't be in a weaker negotiating position. We failed to go up. He's got twelve months left in his contract, which everyone will know. He can go abroad, which everyone will know. He is at a great age in that. Respect, you know, he could go and sign a five or six year deal with a club, make his money, and you know, have his pick of the market. And probably people are very aware that we're going through a rebuild. We've got some, you know, external debt that we're intending to clear. And we've also said he doesn't want a beer. So, you know, which I don't know, that's not a criticism of Scott Duxbury. I think it's actually probably quite a good, probably not the worst thing to say uh, to Watford supporters. Um, because at least they'll unite against Saar. But, um, you know, it, it doesn't leave us in a very strong negotiating position either. So uh, I think this one, I'd be staggered if this one is done before the kind of, let's be generous, final week of the transfer window. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was here until January either, whether playing or not. OK, well, as we've talked about how Ishmael Saar might fit into an Ishmael team, um, one part of uh, Steve Oro's question was, uh, where does Espria fit in, in this team? So why don't we answer that one? Uh, Jordan, where, where does uh, Yasser Espria fit into an Ishmael team? Well, that's a good question. I mean, he's quite a versatile player in those forward positions in a sense. I think we I think the big thing for Espria this year we want to see in, in terms of progression is, is kind of end product conversion. You know, he hasn't really shown the talent that he has in front of goal. He's been quite wayward at times. And I think getting into attacking positions is important. And last season, he really started to look good from the right-hand side. I thought there was a couple of times in the Wilder where he came on from the right and he really started to kick on a little bit and looked a real threat. Uh, I think that right-wing position is, is, is tempting for him if, we, if we're playing that 4-3-3 or 3-4-3. Um, the position behind, you know, you think about him in the central position, I'm not quite sure we'll play with a 10. You know, looking at what we've seen and a couple of clips we've got to see from training as well, it seems like they're kind of playing with two eights in front of the number six and, and, and potentially kind of giving those those two players opportunities to get forward. I'm not sure that Ismail will fancy him in that central position off the ball as much. I might be wrong. He can be a little, he can be a little bit tenacious. Maybe he, he'll show that, but... I would imagine he'd look for someone a little bit more well-rounded from a physical perspective and you know, also just from a, uh, a kind of playing profile. So I would expect at this point to see him from the wider positions. Now, my preference would be the right just because cutting in, that, in on that left is, is quite good for him. It allows the field to be open and he's quite good with the ball at his feet and he just looks more lively there. Having said that, he's, he's showing other, kind of, other potential for the national team. So we'll see, but there's definitely a place for him. But long story short, on the wing, I'd say is still the best one on the on the right for me. What about you, Tom? Yeah, I think you're going to see him on that right hand side, cutting in, aren't you? Um, he's not kind of a conventionally pacey winger, is he? He's got that kind of described it, I think, as like elasticity last season, where he kind of squirms in and out of a tight space, very 
quickly like he's on a piece of string, piece of elastic. And I think that ability to drive inside makes him, and general kind of fearlessness as well, makes him quite exciting. You want him um, running at people and, and doing that. And I think that kind of playing out on the right-hand side allows him to do that quite nicely. If we are to assume that Sars either going to kind of sit out the season or part of the season or leave, you'd reasonably say Espria is the one could be the one big winner from that scenario, wouldn't you? Because I don't know if we can count on Kalu and and to what level. And he's the only other kind of out and out winger at the club that's at a first team kind of level at the moment. I'd assume that Bar might get a look in or. Might yeah, not. I don't know what um, they're gonna do with Bar. But, see, I, still, I feel like he'd be out again, but yeah, I think so. It wouldn't surprise me if he was just told, to be honest. No. He was on loan in Germany last season, wasn't he? He was. Didn't didn't have a particularly great time either. No, that's it. So yeah, it's 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 hard. It, it feels like in and out there are a lot of moving pieces at the moment. A lot of unknowns. A lot of stuff that isn't set in stone and that makes it interesting but it also makes you wonder how ready we are as well no one's yeah. ever a hundred percent ready i don't think for you know day one it's it was always a bit of a process there are iterations but we do look a particularly long way from being ready i would say it's not the best preparation for a priest isn't it, is it? not knowing what your squad is i think um the majority of Watford managers over the last few seasons have had this same issue where they've not been entirely yeah. sure what they're going to have at the end of the window to to play with. And so it does hamper their um, their decision-making to know what's best for the team when they don't know what the team is. Yeah, of course it does. It's, um, you know, this is the time they've got to work with each other, the squad and the management, the coaches. And if you're not making the most of it, it puts you um, puts you behind the eight ball. On the subject of of, uh, of team and recruiting for the team, part of the question from Richard was, uh, how likely is it that Mango will stick around when we don't seem to be in a position to close any leads? Kind of suggesting that um, it, it might not be Mango's fault, potentially. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think, I'm sure Manga had an idea of what the situation would be if we faced relegation after he signed. That's There are limitations. That's kind of where, you know, working within a, in a limitation, within a, a you know, difficult position is where those guys make their money. That's how they, you know, they separate themselves from others. I'm sure there'll be some level of frustration. There's probably, you know, every recruitment guy wants their owner to spend a little bit more and give them a little bit more freedom and get the guy they want. Uh, I've seen a little bit of criticism of Manga on on Twitter, but I mean, we have to be clear. It's not we can't we can't judge Manga based on players that we don't know about. He doesn't sign. You know, you have to. Yeah, he, he can only bring these players in if he's given the green light to do so. And you know, financial implications are going to play a big part in that. And there's there's a lot of players that he would have suggested that they might be very suitable. We just some will never know. Some we won't get to see, and and some will come through the door. So it's a, it's a difficult one to necessarily judge that that role on. Uh, but for sure, for certain, at this point, you know, these I, I said this on Twitter. But the, if you're a recruitment guy, you want to sign players. It's not a question of him thinking we're good as we are and and so on. The deals we have got through are, are easy to facilitate. You know, Tom Ince effectively a free agent, very small fee, um, and, and then Healy as well, of course, free agent. So and, and potentially Livermore. You know, they're, they're trying to work within 
within certain restrictions they have um that we obviously have someone as well in place that that works a little bit more domestically so i'm not sure the level of involvement in, in regards to uh ints that that manga had although of course he will sign off on that too but point is it's it, it's a difficult situation and it's one that he has to, he has to kind of navigate his way through and hopefully have input where he can and and bring the players in we need but it's certainly a tough job uh, and i'm sure part of his remit is to to kind of get us through a, a turbulent time in regards to losing a lot of players and moving players on how can we kind of fill those voids and uh, and potentially even improve the team in a in a, in a different way but I, I think you know that coming in you know it's not going to be here's a you know, here's 50 million, do what you want, sort of thing. It's not a football manager, unfortunately, Tom. It certainly isn't. I think also, you know, people are quick to bash uh, Pozzo and Gioretta over the heads and, and whatnot. You can't say, oh, Gino calls all the shots, makes all the signings, and then say, oh, you know, is, um, is Manga doing a good enough job yet? You know, it's, it's one or the other. Um and, and and truly, do any of us really know how much say he has at what at what point he gets involved? You know, it's um, it's all a bit kind of beyond our not even pay grade. We're not paid for it, but you know what I mean. It's all beyond our kind of comprehension at, at this at this juncture. We're still owed a uh, um, org chart and kind of job descriptions by Scott Duxbury of the the hierarchy at the club. So yeah, I I, I think I have a hard time criticising him or suggesting he's not getting a sufficient say in, in transfer matters, that's for sure. It's a good point, actually. It's been a few weeks since uh, he said that they would get that done. I'm surprised that it wasn't mm. done quicker. It doesn't seem that difficult. Oh, I'm not surprised in the slightest. I know with my level of cynicism. Um, but yes, something something we need to push for, certainly. Um, we've had one last minute question come in, so I'll ask it to you guys. Uh, this one's from Lick Lansing. First part was not really a question; it was more of a comment. And he says that he's a uh, he's blissfully checked out from Watford FC this summer, ignoring most signings, departures, and rumours, and following local clubs instead uh, has been a terrific break uh, from last season. Um, and he also goes on to ask: Do we have too much football? Um, do, does infinite football impact players? The, the MLS and Ligas, MX's new League Cup starts tomorrow. CONCACAF kicked off the Gold Cup days after the Nations League. European schedules are even busier. It's too much, he, he says. What do, what do you think, guys? I couldn't agree more. It's too much. It's ridiculous, the situation that we're in. You know, we've got, on one hand, you've got the bodies saying, um, oh, you know, we're going to, shrink the Premier League, do away with the League Cup, do away with the FA Cup in weekends, but we're going to increase the Champions League size, we're going to increase the Club World Cup. It's, you know, it's you know champagne problems that Watford needn't concern themselves with. But, um, yeah, there's undoubtedly too much bloody football. It's, it's, it's insanity. Um, as for... What was, the first, what was the other part of the question? Um, he's, he's checked out from... From Watford yeah. this season, so and he's enjoying. Think, you know, he's enjoying a happier, better place than any of us. So, I think he's. Uh, I think he's got it right, Nick. Yeah, yeah. I wish I could be checked out, constantly yeah. looking at what the latest uh, is. Um, shall we talk about what the latest is then? Uh, with regards, I've got one more question actually. Oh, one more question. I've got a DM here. Uh, this is from Jack. Uh, 
friend of the show. He sent in a few a few questions before, so we'll go for this one. Uh, question for the pod: What will the roles be? Sorry, what will the roles slash duties of the two CMs be? Presume, presuming will be a three four three, one attacking, one defending. What's the best partnership we have? And he also said thanks. He loves the pod, which is nice to hear. Um, yeah, so three. I mean, there's. A little, I guess there's probably a little. We'll maybe add a little bit to that question because we've looked a little bit different in preseason, um, in terms of what we're going to expect from those two midfielders in a three-four-three or a, or a four-three-three. Um, but in terms of three-four-three, you're kind of looking at something similar to what you'd expect from the, the two central midfielders in a four-four-two. You know, you've got to be able to play laterally. Um, got to be well-rounded. You've got to be able to. Uh, be box to box if needed, but potentially one of them, uh, and just be smart. You know, don't lose the ball. Work hard and 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 be again smart defensively in terms of your positioning. And you are the kind of glue uh, and the the bridge of that of that team. It's a kind of somewhat of a limited role. You maybe don't get the freedom you want as a central midfielder, but it's arguably one of the most important. So, in an ideal world, you can't be looking at something similar to what we had with uh, with Capu and Decore when we played them in the four four two. But uh, it does change a little bit with the three four three. I mean, sorry, with the four three three. If that is what we're doing, uh, we kind of touched on it. But Sirialta has been playing that number six role, and when we're out of possession, he's been dropping into the back three almost. Uh, but in possession, he's obviously playing a little bit deeper and just kind of kickstarting that that kind of attack or possession. Um, and then you've had kind of two number eights in front. So there's not really been it's not really been kind of two deeper line play sorry two deeper players with with one more attacking in front there is kind of that those two number eights that seem to be um to be pressing forward and, and taking space when necessary and just being smart enough to get back and forwards and use the space when it, when it comes about uh they've got defensive and offensive commitments too uh it's a high energy position in this sort of team if you are trying to win the ball back quickly and, and be aggressive i'm not sure if you caught the the goal in the week that bio scored in training um, no, didn't see that. No, so they just, no. just a little drill. Um, I'll maybe send you a link to it in a second so you can you can see it. But just a little drill they were doing where it was oh, I can't remember the numbers now. It might have been kind of five on five sort of situation where you had a, the offensive team was was springing the attack from from Syriata in that number six position, and the the goal essentially is to get a shot on goal and score, um, and working on breaking down teams that are going to be sitting back sitting deep against you so looking to kind of find that space to um to get that attack sprung the wingers are super wide and then you've got the two number eights that are providing you the options to you know work that ball forward into the number nine and, and try and find them so it's really just a, a drill just to see how you get out of that of that low block and, and find ways through as you know we've seen the countless times as Watford fans how how poor we can be at breaking oppositions down um, this is kind of one of those situations you put the team in to try and find ways of doing so. It turns out in that situation, the goal kind of comes in from um, from Syriata and Bio takes a touch and volleys and it's a great goal. But what it does show though is it, it shows how the, the, the midfielder operating as a three and how, how those number eights will kind of be looking to to contribute on, on in both ends of the pitch and, and see what they can do uh, and, and break you out of uh, situations where you might get stuck otherwise. Nice. Anyone that can do it at the moment. Well, that's a good, in terms of um, yeah, in terms of the the personnel, I think you're looking at. I think the best. Well, yeah, and I think we do. I think Loser and Kone are both capable of that. Um, I think Kone 
will potentially come into his own this season. I'm hoping it'll be a breakout year for him. I think the the, the style of football's good. He's that rangy sort of midfielder. He he's, he can be quite good at getting on the heels of a player and and pressing quite hard. But he's got the he's got the length to to get to the ball and and still kind of spring those attacks as well. Um, I think he he suits that loser obviously. He likes to play a little bit deeper, but I think he'd suit that role too. He can be tenacious and win the ball back. I, I like that. I, I like the fact that he can contribute in forward areas. You know, if you are playing against a team that's sitting back quite deep and, and constricting things, you can give the ball to loser and there's a good chance he'll take a good touch and, and, and keep the play moving rather than having to kind of spring it back up, like drop it back into you and start again. So I think he works well there. Those two are good. You know, Deli Pajuru could be capable if he's available. Um yeah, we have options, but we could still do it with another one, I think, um, over the course of the season. But it, it does change, it does change the dynamic a little bit um, by by doing so. You know, maybe even KMB. I'm not sure I fancy KMB in there. Potentially, he would be the one that would be playing that number six role. But there are still questions there as well. So it's it's tough. And I think KMB is one of the the, the guys that you forget about so quickly because he was unavailable for so much last season. But um, Oh, there, God, there is, there are there. options there. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there, there are options, but uh, we could, we could also improve in terms of depth. I think you know, these are some of these are young guys too, Kone, and we know what Delhi Bashiru's issues have been injury-wise. You can't rely on him to be available. So fingers crossed, we can, we can do a little bit more there. But I, I think we do have the potential to make that work, um, and, and perhaps a little bit more set or built to that than we are playing with like a number ten operating behind uh, behind the striker there. I can't really recall where Deli Bashiru plays best in, in the midfield. What, what, what's his position? It's a, it's a good question, actually, because it's so long as we've seen him play regularly, I can't remember where, and, and to be honest with you, I don't think I ever really saw him get a run in the, or more than a few minutes here and there in the team. I feel like he's a kind of fairly energetic, box-to-box kind of, or at least you know, kind of pushes on central midfielder. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to say that with any confidence. So I'll throw it back to you, Jordan. Well, I think he's someone that, that he's someone that operates well in a in a three man midfield. I think he keeps the possession quite nice. He keeps the ball moving. He can have energy. He can play laterally too. He can get wide and and support. And he's just quite a good technical footballer. He's not bad defensively either. He can be quite physical. Um, but he, he's someone I think could fill that that role that we just discussed in in terms of loser and Kone. Um, he, he offers enough both ways, but I think the the tidiness in possession is what you want to use him for the most. He can get forward as well and contribute. I, I don't think he's the most. I don't think he's the most effective in terms of um, attacking build up. I wouldn't really want him in the forward areas too much, but someone that can just kind of operate in a in somewhat of a box-to-box manner and still just kind of progress the ball a little bit through whether it's through carrying or or just getting that ball wide and starting things I, I think that's absolutely fine and there's also an element with with Tom that he's still got to really find his place at this level in terms of um, in terms of role maybe that's something he'll he'll get under Ismail and I hope that he has the confidence um, in his body to to, to kind of play at this level in terms of um, intensity and tempo and and get through those games. He's got something to prove for for kind of the club, but also for himself too. I'm sure there'll be a little bit of hesita- hesitation coming to the season. Um, you, you don't want to end up with too much of a cautious player on your hands because there's going to be some element of recklessness in the style of football we're playing. So I, I think it's another year. We talked about Kone, just a minute ago about Kone being potentially a breakout season for him. 
this is really a big one for Tom Deli Bashiru, who who kind of has to establish himself. I think how many how many years do he have left in his contract? Is it one, two? Um, yeah, so he's, yeah, it's it'll be an interesting. Well, I'm quite I'm eagerly anticipating. I'm looking forward to the game on Saturday to see if we we get to see some of him as well. It feels like a breakthrough season for a few players, really. One of those is Mateus Martins, who I think in our last pod, we weren't sure if he was going to be with Watford or not, but it has since been announced that he will be loaned back to us again from Udinese. Um, yeah, he's one that showed glimpses last season and, and you know, potentially this season could be could be his year. It's... Um... It's a very odd one, isn't it? This they've never, and this feels like classic example of we'll park him where he's needed most. You know, the reporting around it was that we we're going to sign him, and the club said we were going to sign him in January. Then they said, "Oh no, actually, he'd come here on loan," and now it's like, "Are we staying?" After he was involved in pre-season, and you know, it's their prerogative, but it's just all a bit, all seems a bit kind of on the hoof from the outside. Um, I was at the Blackpool game where he came on and I felt like between him, Ferreira, and then Adiemo with the goal, they changed the game. And then after that, he had a couple of underwhelming performances and then after that, we never really saw him again. So hopefully in a team where he's got the opportunity to have a full pre-season and a coach that will kind of start the season with him and so on and so forth, it will be advantageous. I think there's a player there from the little bits I've seen and, you know, you don't get to play for Brazil at youth level unless you've got something about you. But, um, yeah, the, the jury's out and, and he will be starting from a position where people aren't sure about him, put it that way. So it, it is a big season for him. And given we're probably not in the position to go and make big purchases, either financially or whatever, um, I think the onus is on, is on him to to be someone that can step up and, and deliver for us because I don't know if we've got many other game changers. Yeah. I, I think I think this is last year was difficult. I think it's it's tough to judge I mean you have to in some ways obviously, but um you kind of have to take the situation into account of last season, how bad things were for for a lot of reasons and you know, maybe give some leeway to some of these guys that were involved but on the periphery and, and see what they can do. He has got some. He has got talent. Um, he showed it a little bit. Didn't get much of a chance to to do it consistently, obviously. But um, like I hope, I hope it's an opportunity for him. And you know, I think this is a real. I think we're we're hoping a lot. Or we're putting a lot of our. Um, we're, we're betting quite a, a large amount on the fact that Ismail will be able to get something out of this group, um, out of some of the players that we had last year. Um, that, that we didn't get to see and, and see if we can bring this team together and perhaps in, improve that output. You know, we talk about some of the teams, that, you know, you look at some of the teams that were finished above us and even, you know, someone like Luton Town, they weren't, you know, they weren't filled with quality, but they were able to, they were able to achieve something bigger because of, you know, because of the coaching, because of the, the, the togetherness and, and so on. So if we can kind of get something close to that, we've been very fragmented. We've relied on individual quality for quite a long time to pull us through games and, and seasons. So you know maybe we're maybe we're a little bit kind of conditioned into thinking that's the only the only thing, or being a little bit too harsh on the players. I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm open to seeing how he does and, and if he can if he can help and, and be a positive aspect of of hopefully a new look side. We've um, we've talked a little bit about a left back as being a position that we have identified that needs strengthening. Um, so far, only 
James Morris is really comfortable in that position. Although I think we've seen Ferreira deployed over there as well in various yeah. guises. I don't know if I if I'm particularly happy with that. Um, I one, think just giving him minutes. Yeah, is that is that what you think the case think is? So. Yeah, I think it's just he can play there enough to to get him minutes and 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 so on. You know, rather than playing one player there for ninety in preseason. We've um we've talked about the potential of. Uh, of Callum Stars coming in and, and that being not uh, likely anymore. Somebody who has recently entered the frame is Newcastle's left back Jamal Lewis. Um, and we believe that this would be on a loan if it was uh, something that we went ahead with. Do we think this is a possibility? Do we like that, uh, that, that player? Could he do a job for us? These are the questions that people are going to be asking. I must admit, I don't know a huge amount, or I know about him. I don't know what his kind of real strengths and weaknesses are. It always struck me when he was at Norwich that he was quite kind of rounded, not bad going forward, not bad defensively, not particularly kind of brilliant at anything and didn't get a look in at Newcastle last season, kind of got pushed out of the picture by the signings of Matt Target and Dan Byrne when they came into money halfway through the previous season. I suspect he might not be too too bad a signing, but Jordan, I, I know you tweeted a little bit about him and you've probably got a much more rounded view on or much more complete view on him. No, I think, I, I mean, I think he's a good player. I think he's a, um, I think well rounded is a good way of describing him. He's, he's definitely, for lack of a better term, a modern day fullback. He can get forward, he can help. Uh, I think his his biggest the one thing I'd say about him is he's I'd almost say one of his biggest assets is his just his his comfort in like a, a technical team. Uh, Norwich when he was at Norwich and you know, kind of when he gained the most attention he he was uh, he he played really well in a, in a, in a good team and he, he he had to be good he had to be good in those fullback positions that Norwich side and he he contributed well in the Championship obviously earned him the move to Newcastle too. Um, I, I quite like him. I think he's a good age. Obviously, he's got really good, really good engine. His work rate you know, is, is really, really useful for us, especially under Ismail. Um, he he can contribute in both ends of the pitch. He's tidy. Used to the ball, as I said, used to the ball's good. He can put a cross in. Um, and I, I think he's a good player. I think a fresh start at at a team in the championship is ideal for him at this point. It sounds like a loan if it was going to happen, uh, but I think it's definitely it's, it's undoubtedly an upgrade. On hit on uh, on Morris, obviously, is it's a big big ask for Morris to be the only option there at this point. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the deal. I think it's a good move. Um, I quite like Lewis, and I will say too, um, there was some criticism of. I mean, somehow there was criticism of the player before we even signed him, but um, he played <laughs> he played a game for Newcastle against Rangers during the week, and there was some criticism. Some people posting screenshots of Newcastle fans talking about him, but. I mean, he was also playing left wing in that game as well, so he wasn't really. It's it's just not really the point. But um, yeah, no, I like it. I think it's a good option. And if we're talking about loans and and being sensible in the market, I think that's a good example of how we can do it and still be effective because that that's a deal that is kind of very low risk and it improves the starting eleven, in my opinion. Okay, cool. Um, no one else really talked about that left back position. We've discussed central midfield already, but has has there been any names? that you've heard of that, that might be coming in there other than Livermore? I don't think there's been anything concrete, has there? There's been a... I don't 
think so. Man, there was, that's I the thing. There's there... been very little, even in terms of links, hasn't there? Yeah, it's it's been very quiet. Um, we know that Dan Gosling is training with the club. But, I mean, there's the potential that he might be someone the club offer something to if if they don't get anything else that they that they want. Yeah, I think that's the most likely circumstances of him resigning. I'd, you know, keep him around, help him get fit again, and if nothing else comes up, maybe he gets a a three month contract or something like that. But I I don't see him being a first, if he was going to be a genuine content in genuine in contention to be a an option first choice kind of option. I think they'd have they'd have made their move by now, wouldn't they? Yeah, I I would have thought so. I would have thought so. Okay, um, we haven't talked about uh, striker yet uh, in this pod, but we did mention it quite a few times in the last pod, uh, discussing the likes of Islam Slimani. That's gone very quiet. Um, there was somebody else who I completely forgot who we were discussing as well, but I don't. Uh, Cho Gustav. That's right. Yeah, that well, that that he's signed for someone else, isn't he? Yeah, it's gone elsewhere. But um, very recently, we have been linked to Sori Kaba, who, um, for those who don't recognise the name, scored a fantastic goal against us last season for Cardiff, the uh, overhead kick that uh, <laughs> was quite nice. Um, does he fit the bill for what um, uh, an Ishmael side would look like with a, with a striker in it? I think he does, doesn't he? I, don't, I can't pretend to know heaps about him, but... Certainly, from what I saw, because I was at that Cardiff game, you know he's a quite a big physical forward. Scored a great goal, albeit we made it we made it quite um, quite easy for him. But yeah, he he's a, he's a handful. He's decent in the air. He can use his body and and so on and so forth. Maybe not the most technically adept. I don't know if he's going to be kind of bringing others into play, but he's certainly a physical handful. And if that is what one of those roles needs to be, then yeah, he could be an option for for me, Jordan. Yeah, I think you know we we've just we kind of outlined the fact that Ismail has a tendency to play with someone with a little bit more physicality and uh, and be a little bit more of a well-rounded forward. I think Cabo was I, I think we got I got to watch him a few times last year, and he. He is quite a handful. I think he's quite good in front of goal. We know we've got some some proven record, or at least you know that he can do it in relatively poor Wigan team. Uh, he's quite unorthodox in some ways, but he's actually yeah he's got a decent touch and his finish can be good. He can be a little bit raw at times. He's not perfect, but I think it really depends on the fee. You know, I think I think if you're talking over a million, two million, you know, I think you start to look elsewhere. Uh, I, I don't know if he's put that money down for him. I think he's a useful forward for us. Uh, I think he would offer something, but I, I, I'm not sure with, with the kind of way we've been operating so far, it would surprise me a little bit if he's the guy we put the money down on. But it, it's potential. He's definitely more along the lines of what I expected us to be to be looking at in terms of um, in terms of getting that, that position sorted and, and being ready for the season uh, for Ismail. It seems to be one of the ones that we identified quite quickly as a as a position of need. But, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely something to like there. I don't hate the deal. Is he a Michelin player or is he a Cardiff player? Was, was he just on loan at Cardiff? He was on loan, yeah. So is there a chance he could come on loan to Watford this season? I, I, I think they're looking to sell. I don't think it's a... Um, right. I don't think it's a... 
a uh, a loan situation again. I think especially after kind of raising a stock a little bit, um, they're going to be yeah they're going to be looking to sell. Interesting. I think I might have, I might have said Wigan when I was talking about him by mistake. I don't know why I said that, but um, but yeah, he he's I I would imagine this would be his year to get the the permanent move, especially okay. when they've just signed Cho as well. Mm. Good point. In terms of outs, it has been reported that Okoye might be on the move to Udinese, but there's no concrete confirmation there. If it is the case, is that um, you know a sad sort of ending to the tale of Maduka Okoye in a in a Watford shirt? Just looks like poor business again, doesn't it? Really? Yeah. Um, that one. The club will never be allowed to forget that one, I don't think, will they? Along with, it'll go down in the kind of hall of shite with Andre Gray. <laughs> it's hard um, to beat the Andre Gray one, to be honest. Yeah, you know, um, Pusetto, obviously, Ashley Fletcher, Lucas Neal, Park Chu Young, Jeffrey Majanji Beer. <laughs> Lucas Neal was. Newton, Sergio, um, no, um, what was the fella? Newton. Jean-Alain Fanchon, um, you know, players of that ilk, he will go down with them. Um, The left-back who did poor at Man City. I can't remember what his name is now. Falkier. Falkier, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of them. You could make a couple of those teams and play them off against one another, I suspect. Yeah, it's probably for the best because he's not going to play here and he's just a £6 million asset depreciating and that will always be kind of held against him at Watford amongst Watford fans, so he might as well go elsewhere. And this is the advantage. I know people won't see it this way, but I do. I personally do see it as this is an advantage of having the Udinese relationship that, OK, they're not probably going to pay us £6 million for him um, to net that off against, or a fee that we could net that off against, but they will take him and presumably take his wages so he's not sitting there, you know, eating into money that we need to spend on other areas. So who knows? He may go there. He may do well. He may get a move. He may sign for them permanently. But he's not our problem. That's the main thing. Are we that confident as Hamer as a number two? He didn't have the best of games last season not that he got much time to be honest and as I know I didn't feel that confident about his performance I mean how confident can you feel about your number two in the chat you know like, I, yeah. it just depends really I think the problem is I think we've got such big issues elsewhere you just look at that group and you say I, I, I could see them looking at that group and saying you know Backman he'll do for now you could, we could upgrade but with the positions we need we can he's serviceable Hamer's also serviceable as number two Maybe that's a position you kind of ride your luck on a little bit. Hope that that Backman is available for most games, and if if Heyman needs to play, he has got enough experience and might be able to see you through some games. Obviously, sample size wasn't great last year, and what we did see wasn't great from Heyman. But um, I just think you've got to pick your battles a little bit, and I think this is one they'll probably maybe add another another player, but probably go with with something pretty similar to what we're seeing at least at number one and two. Yep, agreed. Somebody who has exited the building properly. Uh, this time is Joseph Hungbo. He's gone uh, to Germany to join Nuremberg. One of those that I think will leave uh, a disappointment in some Watford fans' minds of, of what could have been, but sadly what what wasn't. He, he he showed levels of ability, but in real stits and starts and, and never really got a good 
run together or really an opportunity to get a run together i think but what what's your feelings are we disappointed or are we 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 don't mind about this one what what's your what's your feelings here yeah, I don't mind. I feel like it's a good move for him. They're a, you know, they're a pretty decent-sized football club, aren't they? Um, he did well during that lockdown season in fits and starts, and we've kind of, as you tend to do with these young players, that you know, I appreciate he came via Palace in the first place, but kind of homegrown to all intents and purposes. You do set the threshold quite a bit considerably lower for them because you're so desperate, particularly at Watford, where we have a history of it, but not recently, of bringing through youngsters. You do tend to set that bar quite a bit lower. And I don't think really since the very end of that 2019-20 season, was it, where we were winning the promotion from the Championship under Chisco, has he shown the requisite level to suggest he can, can contribute anything? I know he was part of the Huddersfield team that dragged themselves out of danger last season. But I don't know how much of a role, apart from scoring, was it in Warnock's first game? I'm not sure how much of a role he actually played in, they liked in the nicest they liked possible him, way. They liked him, did they? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if if he's raised a few quid, got him off the books, I, th- I don't think it's a bad thing. And, you know, hopefully he goes there and, and um, proves us kind of, Wrong, I suppose, but us, me, wrong, I suppose. But I, I'm not mourning it as some great loss. No, certainly not. Is there anyone else that could still go that, um, you know, we, we think might not be in the squad come the end of the, the window? I mean, Sars is the obvious one, but uh, what about the likes of other people that were on the fringe last season? Kalu, um, Pollock... Ashley Fletcher is apparently still at the club. Yeah. Well, those ones, yeah. I mean, someone like Ashley Fletcher, I think for the most part, outgoings apart from, yeah, maybe Fletcher and obviously Sarah if possible. But we've tri- we've trimmed the fat quite well so far. And I think that was you know a very important aspect of what we're trying to do. So I don't see too, too many. Go- we're at the point, I mean, maybe Barr would be one. You could see, mm. I think Kalu will stay. Detail one way or another. Yeah, it's hard to even think. I mean, we've seen him train with Udinese, training with Udinese and stuff, haven't we? So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think we're, we're pretty much at that point now. I think we've, we've done, I'm actually, on, to be honest with you, I'm quite pleased so far at the way we've approached it in terms of moving players on. Obviously, we'd like Morian a little bit quicker, but I'm actually kind of on the more positive side of what we've been doing. I think my expectations are maybe a little bit more... Um, subdued than than some that I've seen on Twitter. I think I think it's kind of this is the first year of a of a multi year potential project, and I think the the first step is to to kind of recalibrate, you know, find your new path, buy into it, get people that buy into it from a coaching perspective, uh, from a technical director perspective, sporting you know everything from from top to bottom effectively. Uh, and step one is to kind of is to reset and we've had we've had fans asking for resets for years and this is this is kind of what it looks like so um there could be more outgoings but i think we're, we're probably pretty close to to seeing what the um what the outgoing situation will be come the end of the window there's probably a few in there i've forgotten who've been contracted to us but it seems amazing to me that christian cabaselli could be uh preparing himself for another season with watford well you offer guys contracts at bad times and that's that's what happens you know 
we're still going to suffer for a couple of seasons for some of the decisions we've made in, in previous years. That's just, yeah. Local man is ecstatic. Um, right, I think that's it with regards to ins and outs. Um, we'll move on to any other business before we finish up. Uh, Tom Cleverley uh, has retired since we last spoke um, and uh, has has joined the, the, the club as a under-18 coach. Is that right? Some yeah. academy, I'm not sure exactly. The... Is it professional development professional phase development coach? Phase. Is that the is that the exact title? I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think for the best, right? He increasingly in recent years have been unable to get on the field and stay on the field long enough to contribute, and I think there was resentment building or had built towards him. I think for someone who gave so much for Watford, that's not a particularly nice thing. He didn't deserve it. And um, it was a tough decision for him, but probably the right decision in all that he would have to, um, you know, make that call to hang up premature, his boots prematurely. I argued with Uncle Ron about this on Twitter. It is premature. He's only 33 or 34. You know, he could have. I'm sure would have carried on playing if his body had allowed him, but his body had failed him once too often. But I think in recent times we've seen more kind of former Watford folks involved in the staff, Jimmy Gilligan and um, Richard Johnson at the academy being just two. And I think, you know, when we, at a time when we feel a lack of connection to the club, such as it is, I think that, having him there is is a really is a really positive thing and you know a good role model to learn from whatever some hateful people might otherwise say yeah no you can't, you, top, it, can't top that can you he was a it was a great um a great asset to the club whilst he was here um a fan's favorite and um it's pleasing that he's going to be still around but uh, disappointing that uh, he couldn't get uh, you know uh, the final season or or, or, or bow out in the way that he would have wanted to. But, yeah, uh, he lost control of his own destiny a little bit, which I think is a shame. Um, but at the same time, you know, we've been guilty, as we've all said, of holding on to players for too long, giving players too much time. And I think it would have been, um, it wouldn't have done anyone a favour to have kind of, extended his contract as a player so it's a it's a the right decision all round. and finally uh it feels as though there's been a lack of friendlies in this uh in this period at least not as many public ones as we're used to seeing um we appreciate that the stevenage one got cancelled because we drew them in the carabao cup but there hasn't been much football to watch and and get a better idea of of how it is that Ishmael is planning to to utilize the squad this coming season. It's yeah, been, I mean, there's, there's been there's been less. I mean, we've got is it Crystal Palace on Saturday, isn't it? Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's kind of a bit of a trend in some ways. There's there's more of these friendlies that are taking place where it is you know they are kind of behind closed doors and so on and. There are lots of lots of reasons for that, but I mean, it doesn't really bother me too too much. You know, I, I, is is it something you guys feel strongly about? Or I don't, I don't. I, I personally, I just wanted to address it. There was a good thread that uh, was only a very short one, only kind of four or five tweets that a guy called Lee Southernwood 
who apparently is a football support executive at Cardiff City. Not sure what that quite entails put out, but talking about why they were so many behind closed doors friendlies. And I think it's worth people having a look at because I understand, you know, there's not much going on. My job's in football uh, content. And so therefore it's a quiet and pretty rubbish time for football content because nothing's happening. Signings have slowed down after that initial kind of influx and it's all a bit it's all a bit dull at the moment we're just waiting for the season to um to get underway but there is also kind of a practical several practical reasons for it um i won't list them all but you know availability of stadia being one as pitches are relayed groundwork is done is is a, is a big one um as is kind of wanting to keep some of the I guess secrets and kind of, you know, preparations and planning and all this sort of stuff um, under wraps as well. And and to be honest with you, if you were Valerian Ishmael, you probably would want to, wouldn't you? Because you kind of got a hodgepodge squad. You know, we went to I went to Boreham Wood. People went to Boreham Wood, and we all saw an eighteen or nineteen year old centre forward who's played out on loan in the conference last national league last season as a striker playing holding midfield and we've all kind of scoffed so it's probably not the worst thing as he tries to iron out the kinks and work out who's going to do what and who's of use to him to be doing conducting that work in uh, in private so I, I personally don't have an issue with it but it is something that has caused a lot of uh, whinging shall we say in uh, in these long weeks between the season ending and the new season starting Okay, I think we'll wrap that one up there. Thanks for listening as always and interacting with the pod. It's already been what feels like a long old summer, but we'll be back to regular programming as things pick up. Uh, in the meantime, you can support us via Patreon. Just type in what for Buzz and Patreon to Google and you'll find the relevant page uh, just to help us keep the show running. Actually, I think there is a um, a, a basic uh, £3 a month, I think it is, um, you know, it's less than buying a, a cup of coffee. Um, and can you also follow us possibly at Twitter at WatfordPod? That would be lovely. As well as our independent Twitters at Messi Messiana, at Jordan Wyman, and at TV Bedell. If at any point you want to get in touch with us and just ask a question, just fire us something. Twitter is always the best place to find us. But until then, we'll be back hopefully um, in a couple of weeks' time to discuss some new transfers. Fingers crossed, please, please. Um, And um, also talking about the Crystal Palace game that's taking place this Saturday, which I believe is an early kickoff. So, um, and I think it's also on um, Hive Live as well. If you can't get to Selhurst Park, um, you should be able to watch it online. Um, Just follow the regular links that you would do to, to, to... to watch that and uh hopefully we can all have a good chat about it online and uh and then jordan and tom and i can talk about it on the pod in a few weeks time but until then um we've been the what for buzz podcast we thank you very much for listening and uh we'll be back very very soon bye-bye Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.